Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. Amen. What a wonderful start to our gathering this morning. I want to just join Sarah in welcoming you, um, all the adults, all the kids. Hi, kids. It's great to be together. Whether you're at home with another family, whether you're overseas just catching up on holiday, whether you're a guest or a visitor, if you're listening from Kenya, wherever you are, we want to say a really warm welcome to you. So good to be together. You know, it's six months, almost six months, since we uh, last could all physically to gather together. And um, that time has been, uh, been one way we've had to change and adapt. And um, I'm sure for many of us, it's been frustrating at times. There have been many opportunities in it. There's been many challenges in it. Uh, I think uh, for many people, it's been tiring in some ways. And so there's a verse in Colossians this morning that I want to read to you, which will be my theme for this morning. Uh, I want to say to us today, may you be strengthened. May you be strengthened. And in uh, Colossians chapter 1, if you would turn there, I know the kids have got some worksheets um, based in this chapter as well. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 11 and 12, Paul writes to the Colossian church, he says, May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience, with joy giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the saints' inheritance in the light. I've really been uh, enjoying Colossians lately. It's one of Paul's um, last letters to the churches. And it's to a church uh, we read on, we find it's a church he'd never personally visited, a church that was about 100 miles inland from Ephesus um, in what we would call modern-day Turkey. Paul had never visited this church, but he has the opportunity to write to them both, to the church in Ephesus, to the church in Colossae. Um, when, he's in, um, when he's under house arrest... Uh, in Acts 28, Paul is in, in, at home in Rome under house arrest. And that's the time where he wrote these great epistles to the Ephesians and to the Colossians. And in doing so, he shares his fantastic revelation in Colossians, his revelation of Christ. And in Ephesians, his revelation of the church of Jesus Christ. They're both wonderful epistles. And I would really encourage you to, to read these two epistles again. But Today we're going to just be focusing on, uh, on what Paul says to the Colossians in chapter 1. Um, just by way of, of background, um, the Colossian church was threatened by a heresy. Um, you, that, that's obvious when we read in, in chapter 2 various things. Paul says, don't let anybody deceive you. Don't let anybody take you captive with hollow philosophy. There was a, a heretical teaching that threatened the church in Colossae. And and there were perhaps various aspects to it. The first was a, a real focus on self-denial, on, on religious ascetic practices to make one more spiritual. And then secondly, there, were, there was a, a belief and teaching in this heresy that, that really mankind was not worthy to approach God. And we needed the angels or the powers to mediate for us, to, uh, to intercede for us. And and therefore, also, we, we should worship some of these angelic powers. And the third thing was that um, the Colossians really needed some kind of special intellectual um, enlightenment to achieve true salvation. And Paul hears about this heresy. 
And I believe he's indignant. He's righteously indignant with this, this false teaching. And so he writes to the Colossians towards the end of his life. And he, he writes to say that um, the gospel they've received is all sufficient because Jesus is all sufficient and his work is complete in every way. So with that background, let's just read Colossians chapter one. We're going to read the first 23 verses. It's a long reading, but it's so good. Uh, just pray we'll really enjoy this together. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ in Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, for we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints because of the hope reserved for you in heaven. You've already heard about this hope in the message of truth, the gospel that has come to you. It is bearing fruit and growing all over the world, just as it has among you since the day you heard it and recognized God's grace in the truth. You learned this from Epaphras, our much-loved fellow slave. He is a faithful minister of the Messiah on your behalf, and he's told us about your love in the Spirit. And for this reason also, since the day we heard this, we haven't stopped praying for you. We are asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, so that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and growing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience, with joy giving thanks to the Father, who has enabled you to share in the saints' inheritance in the light. He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and has transferred us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, because by him everything was created in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and by him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church. He is the firstborn. Uh, he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile everything to himself by making peace through the blood of his cross, whether things on earth or things in heaven. And you were once alienated and hostile in mind because of your evil actions, but now he has reconciled you by his physical body through his death to present you holy, faultless, and blameless before him. If indeed you remain grounded and steadfast in the faith, and are not shifted away from the hope of the gospel that you heard. This gospel has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and I, Paul, have become a minister of it. It's a tremendous reading, isn't it? And Paul, as you can see there, is, is so um, keen to tell them that this gospel they've received 
is enough for them, that Jesus is enough for them. He wants them to be strengthened and there's plenty in that chapter to strengthen them. And I want to just focus on five things that I believe um, carry and convey the word of God to to us at this time and the heart of God to us as well. Five simple things. And the first is to say this, faith, hope and love speak or speaks volumes. Verse four, we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for the saints because of the hope reserved for you in heaven. Paul has heard of their faith, their hope and their love. Uh, The news has traveled, the reputation of this church has reached him. And and these three things, faith, hope and love, they're they're like a trinity, aren't they? A trio, a triad of characteristics that mark and define us. And they can be seen and heard by others. A solid, unshakable, foundational faith. A belief, a trust in Jesus and all he's done. A confident hope, an outlook, an optimism, a, a, a positive hope concerning the future. And a genuine agape love for one another that's unforced, undemanding, unconditional. Faith, hope, and love. In, in, in 1 Thessalonians, Paul again refers to these three things. And on that occasion, he talks about the work of faith, the labor of love, and the endurance of hope. In other words, these three things, faith, hope, and love, they're not sentiments or, or vague concepts. They have an outworking. The work of faith, the labor of love, the endurance of hope, they are real. They are substantial. In 1 Corinthians 13, verse 13, you know that passage about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Paul, Paul goes on to say that tongues and, and, and prophecy will cease. But he says, but these three remain, faith, hope, and love. They remain, they abide, they endure. They are never out of fashion. Faith, hope, and love. And you know as well as I do, the world um, looks for and listens out for authenticity and takes note when the followers of Jesus express their faith, their hope and their love in ways that are practical and substantial and tangible and enduring and authentic. I love what Sharon shared with us a few weeks ago about being sensational. Our our faith and hope and love should be able to be seen and touched and heard and and almost tasted by others. Something of the senses uh, should be attracted to our faith and our hope and our love. You know, over the last six months, we have abounded in faith and hope and love. I think of the thousands, the probably tens of thousands of acts of kindness, the multitudes of text messages, WhatsApp messages, Um, voicemail messages that have been sent and received. I think of the house visits, the food that's been bought, the meals that have been shared, the prayers that have been prayed, the huge offerings we've taken up, the faithfulness of our life group leaders in keeping us engaged and connected and, uh, and together and gathering, as Sarah said, during this time. We think of the outstanding work and service of our media teams and our musicians and so much more, faith, hope, and love in action. 
And I want to say, and I'm sure you'll, you'll join me in saying thank you to everybody who's expressed faith and hope and love and, and shown us how substantial those things can be in this time. And I want to say, let's keep going. Let's be, continue to strengthen one another. Don't let fatigue set in. Don't give up, don't drop out, don't, don't slip to the sidelines, but stay engaged and involved. Stay in faith, stir hope, and continue to express love. Let's, all of us, let's guard our hearts and our tongues. Let's speak good things and refuse negativity and, and let our faith and our love and our hope abound in this church and spill out and spill over into the lives of hundreds and thousands of other people. You know, a church can have the, the best of media teams, the most active Facebook page and Instagram page and YouTube channel and, and the most gifted musicians and, and the most brilliant administration. But in the end, it's the simplest things that often have the biggest impact. Our sincere faith in Jesus, our real non-flaky hope in the future and our genuine love for one another that will be seen and heard by others and will make a huge impact and speak volumes as we win the world for Jesus. Amen. Faith and love and hope speak volumes. And then the second thing I want to share from this passage is in verse, uh, verse 5, the second half of verse 5 and verse 6, where Paul says this, You have already heard about this hope in the message of truth, the gospel that has come to you. It is bearing fruit and growing all over the world, just as it has among you since the day you heard it and recognized God's grace in the truth. My second point is that the gospel is growing everywhere. The gospel is growing everywhere. The good news of Jesus, with nothing added and nothing taken away, has within it, the gospel has within it, the power and the potential to keep growing until the glory of God covers the earth as the waters cover the sea. Amen. And in the last six months, the gospel has been growing all the time. Yeah. Lives have been touched. Yeah. People have been saved and healed and added to us. Yeah. We will emerge from this season with many new families amongst us. Yeah. And I thank God for that. And how about this, folks? In Kenya, 120 people have been saved during the pandemic. Hallelujah. And one new church has been planted. Amazing. And two more are in the planning. There's always been a couple of statistics that have, have really gripped me. The, f the first I heard from Lauren Cunningham, the founder of YWAM, um, many, many, many years ago, and he called it the diminishing task. And he had a graph up, and he, he compared uh, the situation in AD 100, the end of the sort of New Testament period, just about, and the situation now. And he said in AD 100, the ratio of Christians to non-Christians was such that, and I honestly don't remember this statistic exactly, but each Christian would have had to reach thousands of, of non-believers for everybody to have heard about Jesus. Then he talked about this diminishing task because the situation today is that each Christian needs to reach just five or six other people for the whole world to have heard about Jesus. The second statistic that's always gripped me is, is the one that um, 
says that of all the people that have ever lived, all the people that have ever been born on planet Earth, over half of them are alive today. They're amazing statistics when you think about them. And I just want to say, if we keep it simple, if we each reach one person a year, Jesus will be back in five years' time. The mission is totally achievable. Let's say that together in our homes. Our mission is totally achievable. Is there a move of God coming? Is something stirring in the heavenly realms? Is a fresh wind of the Spirit blowing that will save multitudes? You bet. And let's be sure to get caught up in all that God is doing. Let's believe ours can be the generation that will bring back King Jesus. And in this context, I I want to mention this man, Epaphras. Have a look with me at um, verses 7 and 8. Paul talks about um, Epaphras. He says, um, he says, you learned this gospel from Epaphras, our dearly loved slave, fellow slave. He is a faithful servant of the Messiah on your behalf. And he's told us about your love in the spirit. And then if you just turn ahead to chapter four and verse 12, there's another mention of Epaphras there. Verses 12 and 13, I think it is. It says, Epaphras, who is one of you, he's a Colossian himself, Epaphras, who is one of you, a slave of Christ Jesus, greets you. He's always contending for you in his prayers so that you can stand mature and fully assured in everything God wills. For I testify about him that he works hard for you and for those in Laodicea and for those in Hierapolis. You see, Epaphras was a a Colossian. Acts chapter 19 tells us that Paul spent three years in Ephesus and it says during that time the whole province of Asia, which is the, this continent that, 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 that modern day Turkey was part of, the, they call it the province of Asia, this, the whole province of Asia heard the gospel. It's an amazing statement that during two or three years of Paul's preaching, everybody in that vicinity heard the gospel. Now, um, I would think uh, Epaphras, a Colossian, had been in Ephesus, had heard Paul preach the gospel, had been saved and had taken this gospel back to his hometown of Ephesus. And nearby were two other towns, Laodicea and Hierapolis. And that those three uh, closely connected towns and cities had heard the gospel because of Epaphras. He's a beloved, faithful friend and fellow servant. He wrestles in prayer, not just for their initial salvation, but to see them maturing. He wrestles, contends in prayer for them. And I want to say this, churches start and grow because of people like Epaphras, those who serve, who step up, who strike out, who will cross borders, who will go somewhere new with the gospel, who will contend and wrestle in prayer to see the kingdom advance and churches built. Pioneers, heroes in the faith, mighty men and women who will live, who are living to fulfill the call and the destiny upon their lives. There will be a fresh move of God, but there must also be a fresh move of God's people. Let me say that again. 
there will be a fresh move of the Spirit. There will be a fresh move of God. But there also has to be a fresh move and moving of God's people. I believe as we emerge out of this season, some of our church family will be stirred with a sense of movement, a sense of a fresh challenge of extending the kingdom of of a, a, a desire put inside by the Spirit of God to stretch boundaries, to stretch borders, and to uh, expand the influence of our church. That God will raise men and women and families to carry the gospel to new towns and villages and to new nations, to extend our apostolic work, and to help me in building beautiful churches. And I want to say this, if that's you, or it might be you, then please get in touch and let's talk together. May you be strengthened and encouraged today. The third thing I want to say from this passage is that uh, we can walk worthy of the Lord. I've always been challenged with these verses, Colossians 1 verses 9 and 10. Paul says, for this reason also, since the day we heard this, we haven't stopped praying for you and we're asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding so that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him and bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God. I'm challenged because it seems such an awesome task and privilege that we could walk worthy of the Lord. We could be his ambassadors in that way, his representatives. And and over the years I've I've asked, are we really, am I really worthy of such an honorable task? But Paul gives a resounding yes. In the verses we read, he says, he says, first of all, your saints, your, your faithful brothers and sisters, verse two. Verse 12, he says, he's enabled you to share in the saints' inheritance. In verse 14, he says, 14, we've, we have redemption. We have the forgiveness of sins. And in verse 22, he said that he's reconciled us to present us, listen to this, holy, faultless, and blameless. Jesus has made us worthy to walk worthy of him. And there's a thief, there's a liar who wants us to focus on our failings, to be shut down because of our shortcomings, and to be locked up because we think about our lacks all the time. But Jesus has made us worthy. Jesus has made you worthy. We are totally saved. And if we trip up or we mess up, our standing before God is not uprooted. Failure isn't fatal. And I really feel that's a word for some of, some of us listening this morning. Failure isn't fatal. He's totally for you. And I want us to, I want myself to live up to this, 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 this task that we've been called to, to live and walk uh, worthy of the Lord, to live and walk in the truth and in the goodness of that. There's a lot more we could say about that, but for the sake of time, I'll move on to my fourth point, which is this. We are totally secure in God's kingdom. Verse 13, Colossians 1 verse 13 says, He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the son he loves. 
He's rescued us from the domain of darkness. He's transferred us into the kingdom of the son he loves. In other words, we've been saved, we've been forgiven, we've been redeemed, we've been made holy, we've been made blameless, we're counted worthy before him. And he's transferred us or translated us or changed our place from being in the domain of darkness to being in the kingdom of the son he loves. Let's be really clear about this. The devil has a domain. Only Jesus has a kingdom. There is only one king. The devil may have some limited power and some limited influence over a limited sphere, but Jesus is king of kings and lord of lords. And we must not ascribe to the devil um, any more than is warranted. He is not a threat to King Jesus or his purposes or his kingdom or the inhabitants of his kingdom. We can live free from fear. We can live in peace. Jesus really wants you and I to be really strong, really secure in his kingdom, in a strong and secure church and really encouraged. We're totally secure in God's kingdom. And then the, the last thing I want to say is this. Jesus is Lord of absolutely everything. And I think for Paul, you know, in, in some ways, this is where it's all been heading. He's, he's been taking us up a hill and, and, and we're reaching the summit now. And he's about to say something absolutely awesome. Jesus is Lord of absolutely everything. And this is why we can have um, uh, we can be filled with faith and hope and love. This is why the gospel is growing everywhere. This is why Epaphras has dedicated his life to his call and his destiny. This is why we can walk worthy. This is why we've been translated out of the domain of darkness and into the kingdom of his son. And this is why those false teachers are so wrong. Are you ready? Verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For everything was created by him in heaven and on earth. The visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and by him all things hold together. He's also the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from the dead so that he might come to have um, first place in everything. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile everything to himself by making peace through the blood of his cross, whether things on earth or things in heaven. This is Paul's glorious revelation of the Christ. I think he saw some of it on the Damascus road. I think he saw some of it as he labored with all his strength and energy to fill Europe with the gospel. I think he saw some of it when he was taken up into the third heaven. And now in the twilight of his life, he puts pen to paper and he shares it with these believers in Colossae to save them from being defrauded by any heresy, any philosophy that would diminish the gospel. Jesus is creator 
of all things, visible and invisible, on earth and in heaven, whether human or angelic, whether powers or dominions, all things were made by him and for him. And he's head over all things. He's greater, he's higher, he's mightier. He's the first. He's sovereign. He's king over all. And he's the sustainer of all things. Everything is held together by him. And he's the restorer, the reconciler of all things in heaven and on earth. Everything is reconciled by the cross. Do you know the cross of Jesus restores all things in heaven and on earth back to the way they were originally intended. He's dealt with the devil. He's dealt with his demons. They were disarmed and destroyed and the squatter has been evicted. If you've never read this, folks, I really encourage you to read these verses in the message. We look at the sun and we see the God who cannot be seen. We look at this sun and we see God's original purpose in everything created. For everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank after rank of angels, everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. He was there before any of it came into existence and he holds it all together right up to this moment. And when it comes to the church, he organizes and holds it together like a head does a body. He, he was supreme in the beginning and leading the resurrection parade. He is supreme in the end. From beginning to end, he's there towering above everything and everyone. So spacious is he, so roomy that everything of God finds its proper place in him without crowding. And not only that, but all the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe People and things, animals and atoms get properly fixed and fit together in vibrant harmonies all because of his death and his blood that poured down from the cross. The work of Jesus is all-powerful, all-encompassing, all-sufficient. He is king over all and he is now ruling and reigning. He's sovereign. He's sustaining all things. He is in charge. Nothing happens in our world without his full knowledge. He is in control. That means some things remain mysteries, but all things work together for the good of those who love God. Jesus has not surrendered his sovereignty for a moment. He triumphed on the cross. He rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven. He's enthroned at the Father's side and he's Lord of all. And he uses every situation to further his purpose and extend his kingdom. He never changes. Folks, don't let go. Tighten your grip. Draw close. He's always more than enough. Be really strong. Be strengthened. Be very encouraged. May you be strengthened today. Paul ends this section that we read by saying this, if you remain grounded and steadfast in the faith and not shifted away from the hope of the gospel you heard. There've been many shifts in the last six months and they're not over yet. And there's a liar and a thief who longs to unsettle us and unroot us, uproot us. But we must remain grounded and steadfast and not shifted, knowing that Jesus is Lord of all. This is a day to be firmly rooted and secure, to be close to Christ and part of his church. So I want to say in closing, if you're not close to Jesus, get close. 
If you're not in his church, come in. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience, with joy giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the saints' inheritance in the light. Amen. Now, before I finish, these guys lead us back into worship. Got some really good news, some more really good news. Uh, starting this month, we have um, plans and intentions to regather the church together. It will begin this month in September, where um, plans and logistics still to be outworked, but we hope this month to give our older members um, one or two opportunities to come together and be together. And then next month, we plan in October to do this live streaming from our main hall here with a smaller than normal, but with a congregation present. And we hope everybody will have an opportunity to come at least once during October and be part of that. Isn't God good? Amen. Lord, thank you so much. Help us now to worship the King of Kings with all our heart and soul and mind and strength. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching.